Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, where being negative can be a good thing and being positive can turn the world against you. Hello, I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Levon, and this is episode 66. How's everybody doing out there in podcast land? I am on a roll three weeks in a row of podcasts and also filming myself doing it again right now. So if you want to check out this podcast on my YouTube, feel free to go to, well, you can go to the links in the bio or you can just go to YouTube and search Jennifer HIV and you will find me there. Um, I realized that I had a little correction from last week. I don't know how I did that, but um, February 15th, 2016 is my HIV nursery. But I said, without even like catching myself, I said September 15th, 2016. I don't know what I was talking about, but it was not September. It was February. So I can't stand when I make little mistakes like that. So I had to correct myself. Um, also, I think I was calling it Sen Luca, the every six month injectable. It's called Sun Lenka these names they come up with, my God, S-U-N-L-E-N-C-A, Sun Lenka. And it's twice yearly treatment. It's an option for people living with multi-drug resistance to HIV. Um, But it's weird because I had my friend, as I think I said this in my last podcast, my friend Edward was on, who's HIV positive, um, cyber homo on Instagram. And he said that his doctor was going to get it for him. He's in California. He has Medi-Cal just like me. And then I talked to my other fr- friend, Arthur Charles, who is a social worker. Um, he's He uh, also just deals with people that need um, support for HIV. They're basically, um, he's a social, what am I trying to say? Um, social worker. And so he thinks that's very strange that somebody who's already very, um, you know, doing well on Cabanuva would get switched to Sun Lenka. But he was going to be taking a class and I think that was on Friday and then he was going to let me know um, what the deal was with that if it could be for just anybody who's HIV positive or if it really had to be for people who had multi-drug resistance and a lot of that has to do with people who have been HIV positive for a long time or who aren't staying compliant to their medications um, for a myriad of reasons I've talked about that in the past Um, so he's going to get back to me on that but I haven't heard yet so I'm not sure what the deal is with Sun Lenka. I just del- I just deleted it, and now I think I said it wrong again. I don't know. Anyways, um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I am somewhat interested in trying it if it does, like maybe like in a couple years, if it seems to be working for people who are HIV positive who haven't had any failures, because I haven't had any failures, but um, it would be neat to have that option, I think, every six months, just go in and get a shot, and then that's it. You don't take a pill every day. You don't think about it every day. I mean, obviously I do because I'm in advocacy. So I I talk about HIV every freaking day. But I think it would be interesting to not have to take a pill a day. That would make me feel like I really, really don't have it. I think that that psychologically would be kind of nice. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So, and I think also to be able to tell like, partners that, yeah, I just go to the doctor every six months, I get an injection, you know, and then that way they kind of feel, I've talked about that in the past, I kind of feel like you're being, you know, cared for by a medical professional and it's all in their hands and you're safe, you know, versus somebody being concerned about you taking a pill every day and thinking, oh my God, what if they miss a pill, you know, or whatever, which wouldn't do anything. I get that question nonstop on uh, my TikTok lives. What if you missed a pill? 
nothing like nothing happens if I miss a pill and you know I don't want to miss a pill I I've talked about this also I love my pill um, I have an awesome relationship with my medication because I feel nothing from it and it keeps me feeling normal and healthy so uh, missing it makes me feel super super bad psychologically because I I, I love my pill. I mean, I, what else can I say? Like it keeps me healthy, so I don't want to miss it. Um, so I'll never ever know what would happen if I missed like a week or two. Like I'll just, I'll never know that because I'm never going to do that. Um, not testing that, that theory to see what happens. Um, I would like to thank my stepbrother, John McDougall for the coffee money. I will tell you that um, I'm not so good about going to coffee places and getting coffees. I thought I could do this. I thought I could go to Starbucks and just order new coffees that I've never tried and I would really like find something special that I wanted to drink from now on. And I'm just finding that they're all super sweet or they're just not quite right. You know what I really, really like? I really, really like my K-Cups and I like adding my creamer. Like that's it. I love that. So uh, John, I went to Target and I got some Dunkin' Donuts coffee cups for 15 bucks. So thank you. You paid for that. And that will last me for two weeks because I usually do two of those a day. Um, thank you so much for that. I wanted to say hi to my friend Pia. I've known since um, college and I know she listens religiously. Misty Diane, who's an avid follower and a friend through social media. And she's got a great little of, I don't know your Instagram. It was like two pond something ponderosa before but i think he changed it um she's got chickens and stuff it's fun to watch her instagram um, my brother brian of course who listens here and there and he caught up and did like i don't know 12 episodes at once and it was really fun to talk to him about all that stuff talked about that before um it was fun this week i substitute taught or whatever really i mean i wasn't teaching i was just in a high school class that happened to be video production at watsonville high which was so much fun because that's my, that was my major in college at San Jose State. I was a radio TV film major. So, you know, we had a studio at, at um, San Jose State and obviously our equipment back in the late 80s, early 90s was nothing like it is today. Some of the stuff looks the same. The cameras, the teleprompter, kind of, sort of, um, you know, the set and, but the green screen, we didn't have that at San Jose State, I don't believe. Um, we didn't have computers, you know. We, I don't even remember what the heck we used. Everything looked like, looked like it was on like television screens, like little television screens in the studio. And we had like, you know, the control board, the panel with the little knobs I'm showing people on YouTube, you know, the up and down the slider um, things for volume and all that. And then we had, um, uh, we had this thing that would turn and it would make the tape go left or right because we filmed everything on, it wasn't VHS, it was like, high eight maybe god i can't remember the name of the the cassettes we used but um we would use oh there was a term for the radio part of it pod up or pod down no that's not it ah i'll have to think about this and come back to it anyways the equipment is a little bit different now today but it was so exciting to walk in because i walked into this class that i was subbing and they were doing the cats news they call it um yeah cats news k-a-t-z news and i was like they said you know somebody's got to run teleprompter and so i just said i could do it and they're like okay go ahead so i'm like okay and i'm like shit what did i just say yes to because this is live at Watsonville High, they do the Cats News every morning. Well, I didn't know, but Monday mornings, they do the Cats News in Spanish. The whole thing's in Spanish, which is fine. 
I can handle that. I can, you know, it's phonetic. I can hear what they're saying and match it to the words that are going on the screen that I'm going to control the speed of while they're talking, the two talent at the desk. So I sit down in front of the Apple computer. I don't ever use Apple's, but um, it's fine. I can handle it. It's a computer. And then I'm looking at my screen and then there was this kid that came in and the tick, the clock's ticking. Like we have like four minutes till we're going live. And he's like, oh, we need to mirror it because what they're seeing underneath the tele underneath the camera, they're going to see the words scrolling right below. So it looks like they're looking at the camera, but they're actually looking right below it and reading the script that's going up. So I don't know if people know that that's going on when you're actually staring at the camera. And if there's something that goes wrong with the camera, they um, have a hard copy in front of them so they can just follow that. And that was the same thing we did at, at um, San Jose State. It was the same thing we did at Channel 36 News when I worked there in San Jose. Um, same thing. So anyways, I'm like, I can do this teleprompter thing, right? I told you guys I did the teleprompter when I worked at Channel 36 News where I dated the weatherman or whatever. I'm like, fooled around with the weatherman. That's sex with the weatherman. Um, <laughs> and hi, Steve Paulson. And anyways, um, so I'm like, I can do this. So they, the kid sits down. He's like trying to figure out, oh my God, he's going, he's adding like a, uh, what are those things called? The, uh, uh, those extra things that you add on your computer to make things work. I can't think of the name of it offhand that I'm always trying to get rid of because I can't stand those little extra things. I can't think of what it's called right now. Anyways, so they add one of those on to get the program to freaking accept the script, which is like, don't you guys already have this like set up? Like, why are you doing this last minute? So then he goes, okay, you're ready to go. So I sit down and I'm like, wait, how do I even do this? I, you didn't tell me. You just sat me down. So there's a button up in the corner that says start. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. And then I have to use the arrows to go fast and slow. There's no little uh, circular. I had like a controller at San Jose State and at Channel 36. It was like just a round controller that I'd spin left or right to slow down or speed up. Anyways. So it starts going and I realize, okay, it's in Spanish. Great. But it's backwards on my end. So they're speaking in Spanish super freaking fast. And I'm like, I'm like, don't even know where I'm at. And I start like, I've got headphones on. I'm feeling all professional. Like I'm really doing the news and it's exciting. And I, but then I don't even know where I am on the script. I'm like listening for them to say words that I recognize. And then I'm having to find them in the script while it's live and all the only things I'm really picking up are numbers. Like every time they said a number, I'm like, okay, I know that. So I'm like looking for the number on the screen, but again, everything's flipped. So I know that sounds like it's wouldn't be that hard, but it was. And then it was like, I'm like, all I could think the whole time is like, oh my God, I'm messing this up so bad for them. And they sounded so professional. I was very impressed. Um, at the end I said, was that okay? Did you guys did you, was I in the right spot? I had no idea if I was even in the right spot. Sometimes I did, but for the most part, like 85% of it, I had no idea if I was in the right spot. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. Like they were like not phased by it at, at all. So I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways, the rest of the time, I literally just sat at the teacher's desk and looked at my phone and played on TikTok and had my headset in my ear and watched some stuff on uh, my phone. It was just, oh my God, subbing sometimes is so easy. And then there's other days that it's just not that easy. I got a first grade class like a couple days later and it was like, again, like hurting a bunch of kittens and it's like whack-a-mole. They're like, oh my God, the tapping on you nonstop, teacher, 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 teacher. And it's like, nope, I don't answer to tappings. Like, don't, you got to sit down and raise your hand. And it's like, it's like, I always wonder that of, for new people that are coming into subbing who are thrown into a first grade class or a kinder class and 
they don't know how to like manage those kids. It's a lot. It can be a lot. And they're really different when their teacher's not there also. They think that they need to tell you how to teach the class. And you've got probably five or six kids that are always correcting you every time you like say somebody's name wrong. It's like, can you give me a break? Like I'm just learning 25 names like right now. So I'm probably not going to say them all perfectly. Like, Hey guys, chill out. I mean, it doesn't matter. I call them. Um, I, I call them, I try to get them to call me Miss Vaughn or Miss V cause V is easier for them to remember. Cause I just do the peace sign. Um, and they still call me teacher regardless. It's like maestro teacher. Like it's like, Hey, you know what? You guys aren't even remembering my name. So give me a break. Um, but anyways, yeah, working, uh, for video production was really, really fun. And I ended up going back on Thursday and did it again. And that time I decided not to volunteer to do the teleprompter because I don't know, I just got nervous. That I didn't do it. But that day it was in, in English. I could have done it, but I just decided not to. Um, I just want to say really quick, because I haven't said this in the last few podcasts about U equals U. Again, this is just very repetitive for people that already know, but for people who have not uh, tuned in before, U equals U, which is what's all over here in my closet on my shirt. And yes, this is my closet. Um, undetectable equals untransmittable. Am I going the right way? Undetectable equals untransmittable. So what this means is that when a person like myself who's on treatment for HIV, we become undetectable. Um, they will say, some people will say six months. It is very fast. Most people I know become undetectable within like one or two months. Um, and for U equals U, it's anything under, and I'm talking viral load, it's anything under 500, which is safe, which obviously, obviously that number is going to be a bit higher. We're being really conservative by saying 500. So for U equals U, it's not the same as what doctors say for you being undetectable. Like my doctor likes to see me under 20 for undetectable. Um, and that's where it basically is all the time. But if it went up to like 500, I would still be safe, but that's never happened in the seven years that I've been on treatment. The highest it's ever gone is a little over a hundred. And again, I always talked about that. It was because of my, um, Montezuma's revenge from going to Mexico. I had diarrhea. So like for days and they, every time I just took the pill, it was just basically going through me. So I didn't have the drug pressure in my system because the pill wasn't staying in me. So, um, it did go up a little bit. That was called a blip, but nothing to the point where it's transmissible. Um, so when we're undetectable, we can't transmit it. And that goes for anybody who's HIV positive, who's undetectable. That means no condoms. I'm not saying you should not use a condom. I'm saying it all depends on the situation you're in. You just can't transmit it. You take with that what you want. Because I have people that come back and say, you should be talking more about condom use and safe sex. I'm like, yeah, I know. I understand that part of it. And I always say that you can't you know, this doesn't apply to any other STIs. It's just HIV. But there are people who live in a state of fear that they're going to transmit this to their partners. And can you imagine being in a long-term relationship with somebody and always feeling that you're a threat? This is a beautiful thing for those people to know they can relax, they can let go, they can have sex the way they want it, and they don't have to use condoms if they don't want to. They will not transmit HIV. Um, also for, you know, women who want to have babies and all of that. So, and it also it completely applies to men who do it the way they do it. There can be tons of, you know, what comes out of them. I don't know why I'm being careful. I'm not on TikTok. You can have all the semen and blood you want smushed around inside that butthole. Nothing's going to happen. You can have tears and all of that. Nothing will happen. Um, this is all based on, um, I think, four or possibly five studies. The partner study was a real popular one. Again, you can get any of this information on preventionaccess.org and you can see all the studies that were done. These were done back in the um, early, well, the 2000s up until I think the Swiss statement came out in like 2012. 
um, basically stated that, you know, when your viral load is at a certain point, you can't transmit it. And so it was all these couples that participated in these studies, one was HIV positive and undetectable like myself, and then they had a negative partner. And they had sex, and they documented every time they had sex, and then they'd go in for testing and all of this. And anyways, it was 125,000 condomless sex acts by somebody just like me who's HIV positive and undetectable and their negative partner, and there were zero transmissions. This is super amazing science, and it's incredible that we have this to share with potential partners if we're HIV positive. But unfortunately, unfortunate fuckingly, the stigma is still so bad that even when you share this information with partners, they still run. So I am very much for non-disclosure of HIV if it's legally possible in your state or your country, I don't feel that you have to say anything because why? Why do we have to deal with, like, we're already dealing with enough. Like, I don't understand why people don't understand that. I mean, I get it in a way because I used to be HIV negative and I would think that person's crazy. They should have to tell, but I'm on the other side of the fence now and I really see it differently. And I feel like everybody is in charge of their own sexual health and that's it. Bottom line, you don't want something you can, you should protect yourself, you know, in a way that you don't want to get anything. Make sure that you don't get it by wearing condoms or going on prep or not having sex or, I mean, talking to your partner about STIs if you want. I just feel like that isn't always the best route because I don't think people are always honest because of the fear of stigma. And I don't always think that tests mean anything because they could be, anything can happen like right after you take that test. You can go have sex with somebody an hour after you have a test done. So I just don't feel like that's really reliable. Um, but, you know, to each their own. Some people feel that it's just they have to wait until they um, see somebody's test results. I just would never ask somebody for that. Um, okay, enough about U equals U. I wanted to talk about my situationship just a smidgen. Um, it's still going. It's going great. Uh, we have only hung out inside of his place. <laughs> we don't go anywhere. I don't know if we are each other's dirty little secret. I'm not really sure what it is at this point, but it's very, very nice. I mean, what can I say? It's the, you know, intimacy's great. He's very uh, experienced and I enjoy him. So he still doesn't know about um, any of this. And I, you know, people can comment and say, you have to tell him. And it's really funny how people protect him because they don't have any idea what's going on in his body, but people want me to be the person that feels like I should have to share this with him. Um, and I haven't yet. And I don't know when I will. I don't feel ready to at this point. Um, but I promise you, he's not in any danger. Like I promise you, he is fine. This is just not, to me, it's not relevant at this point to share this part of my life with him. And, I, and a lot of it has to do with my advocacy too. I'm just haven't decided to open that can of worms. So, um, yeah, I will let you know when and if I do, but at this point I haven't. Um, and you know, I, I wanted to talk about non-disclosure. I thought that I would go into that in this episode. I'm not sure I want to open that can of worms at the moment either. There's so much backlash. It gets exhausting to have to defend myself about why I feel non-disclosure is really important. People that are HIV positive totally get it. People who are HIV negative don't get it so much and it really infuriates them. And I get tired of trying to explain to them that there are 
there are safety issues with sharing our status. Like obviously I'm public with it, but most people are not. And so there is like putting that information into somebody's hands that you don't know whether you're going to be intimate with them or not. And then you share that information. They can now take that information and do what they want with it. So there are people that are terrified to share their status because you never know where that information is going to go. It's going to end up on their social media. They're going to gossip. They could tell everybody at their job. I mean, there's so many things that can go the wrong way for somebody who decides to share their status. Um, there are women who have shared with me that they were told that they were damaged goods because they shared their status with somebody that they were intimate with. That person um, continued to not only abuse them mentally, but physically and told them that they would never, ever get anybody else. So this, these women have felt trapped in relationships because they felt that nobody else would want them. Um, Let's see. I did have something happen to me with the person. This is a little like um, out. Well, it has to do with stigma for sure. Okay. So the person that I was with who I was married to for a brief amount of time who was like involved in all of my advocacy was super on board with being um, undetectable, me being undetectable, not transmitting. Also very on board with the fact that women don't transmit this. He would say that on, you know, different YouTube videos that we made that he felt that, um, and I'm not saying it's not possible for a woman to transmit it. I don't want to get any backlash for that, but you know, it's very, very unlikely. And he was totally, in fact, he would just straight up say women don't transmit this. And I'd say, you can't really say that because like, I'm sure it could be possible, you know, but I don't want to say that it's impossible. Um, after we had our split again, he had an affair during COVID. I tried to work it out with him. We tried to work it out after he came back from the COVID break. It was very hard on me emotionally. It's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Um, I felt destroyed emotionally. I felt super, super fragile. Um, I wanted to work it out with him because I, again, I'd never been positive with HIV and been, um, in, alone. So this would be like, I always felt super safe with this because he never rejected me. And it's like, what's it going to be like if I'm not with him? Will I ever find love again or intimacy or anything? So I was definitely, that was going through my head during the time that we were trying to figure it out. I know he wanted to make it work, but the second he went back to Montreal, it was like instantaneous, um, anxiety. I couldn't deal with the fact that if he took a little too long to answer a text, uh, I, I, you know, we're three hours difference. I mean, he could be up doing anything before I'm up. He could be saying he's going to bed at a certain time and something else could be going on. Like I, I didn't trust, didn't trust anymore. So that was, um, it, it be, I became very resentful quickly after we split and I, um, I decided after we got into an argument about something that's funny. I don't even remember. Well, I kind of remember what it was about. It's something to do with one of his workers. Um, he was very generous to one of his workers way more than he was to his own wife. And, and it was like, things like that would kind of like drive me crazy. It didn't make sense to me. And he said, well, you're not making me money. So like, of course I'm going to give him a car and a phone and all of these things. And I was just like, wow, dude, you freaking cheated on me. And you gave that lady $10,000 cause she blackmailed you because you shared a video of her having sex with a younger dude with her daughter. And it, she said, if you don't send me money, I am going to um, have the police coming, come after you the second you come back into Canada, which, 
you know, talking to different people, they all said she never had a case. Like she never, that he didn't do anything illegal by sharing that video with her 20 something year old daughter. But anyways, she freaked him out enough that he sent her $10,000 in the three days after I found out that they had had an affair. So that was real fun for me. Like I'm like still like trying to figure out this whole thing and how I feel about it because it felt freaking awful. And he's sending this woman money, but I mean, nothing. No, I didn't get, I didn't even get fucking flowers. So all of these things are mulling around in my head after we were, you know, separated. He's in Montreal. And then I just, we got into an argument about his, I said, I don't really want to hear about your worker. I really don't like, he always wanted to talk about him. So we got off the phone. It was like not a fight, but it was this weird something. And so we, um, I didn't expect to go into all the detail about this, but I want to talk about this because it has to do with stigma and HIV. And so we didn't talk for like two weeks. Like I'm married to him and he's not reaching out to me, nothing. So what does he send me two weeks later? I'm going to say it. He sends me a video of himself jerking off. Like that's what he sends me. And I'm like, wow, that's what you think's going to bring me back to you. Like I'm pissed at you right now. And that's what you think is going to like, what? Like men just don't think the same as women. So anyways, that pissed me off a lot. And I was like already, like I was going through those two weeks where we didn't talk. The silent thing was making me so anxious. Like what is happening? But part of it was me also pulling away from him and getting my strength back. And I was feeling like I was becoming me again without somebody in my life. And it's, you know, when you've been with somebody for six years, all your thoughts, everything you think and do revolves around that person. And so it takes a long time to separate those thoughts because you're so used to thinking about them. So it was the beginning of my unraveling from him. And I got that video. And that was like, to me, that was like the nail in the coffin, the last nail in the coffin. I'm like, that's it. I'm freaking over. I'm done with this. So I told him uh, shortly after that, that I, I don't want to be with you anymore. Like I want a divorce. And so that uh, turned into like, he said, fine. Um, I think it hurt him a lot. And he got weird about all my social media stuff and wrote to me and said, you must immediately take down everything with me on it. And I said, whatever. Like, uh, yeah, fine. So I'm going through, I mean, he's in, he's intertwined in so much of my social media. There were so many posts I had to delete. Um, and there were some incredible videos that I felt very proud of that he wanted me to delete off of everything. And he knew that would hurt me. He knew that I like really was happy about the way those videos turned out. Uh, they had had pictures of him in it. It was telling our story and um, they'd done really well on TikTok and on my YouTube channel, including my HIV AIDS story and pictures, which is like 4 million views at this point. It brings people to my channel. It, it like lets people know my story. I worked really hard on that video. It was like a movie that I put together. I mean, looking back at it, it's a little, you know, whatever. It could have been done better probably, but I was, at the time, I was very proud of it. I still am proud of it. Um, that one showed his pictures. So he wanted that taken down immediately. So I didn't take that one down. I left it up. And what did he hit me with about two months later, three months later, he hits me with um, a, a cease and desist order the day before my birthday, I get an email from a lawyer here in Santa Cruz that I have to take everything down with his name or image, I'm not allowed to say his name, I'm not allowed to talk about his HIV status, which is negative. Um, I'm not allowed to refer to him in any way. And I'm like, what the are you freaking kidding me? So I am like, hello, the day before my birthday. So mad. So I 
I, you know, it scared me. Of course, it's a freaking lawyer contacting me. Yeah, it scared me. So I like, I, but I, and I'm like shaking, like I'm contacting people. I can't, I'm a nervous wreck at this point. Like, what does this mean for me and my social media? Is he really going to shut me down? Like this man that's already destroyed me physically or mentally and like uh, psychologically and emotionally, like, you know, he's going to like, you know, try to take this away from me now. Like, hasn't he done enough? So, um, I, I found a way to thankfully blur his face out in the HIV AIDS story and pictures video. And so I didn't have to take that down, but I did take down everything else. But he continued to have people look at my social media and then they would send him messages. And then he'd send me an email that said, you talked about me on this date. Here are the images. And like, what? I mean, like, are you, you have the FBI watching me? I mean, this is just craziness. So he also has a YouTube channel where he talks about his um, business, which is, um, French drain repair and which is fine. And then sometimes he would do videos about, you know, surfing or whatever, like whatever his interests are. And then all of a sudden he posts a video of himself walking down East cliff drive where there's lots of people walking dogs, riding bikes, jogging, you name it. It's right along the ocean. It's here in my town. He films this while he's here in my town. This is 2021 probably November-ish and he's film he's walking around holding his camera up to his face walking down and filming himself talking about people who are HIV positive first of all have mental illness if they do not know that the, that they have HIV prior to their diagnosis there's something wrong with them so he's alluding to me clearly that there's something wrong with me that I'm mentally ill because I did not know that I had HIV prior to my diagnosis he's he diagnosis. He said that, you know, this goes for anybody who's HIV positive. Basically, we all have a little bit of mental health issues to come to a place where we've actually acquired HIV. And all of us should have known prior to our diagnosis that we had it. So there is that. And then he went into U equals U and said, yes, there's this thing called U equals U. But, you know, there is still a risk. There's still a risk. I can still hear him saying it, um, that you can get HIV even if somebody's undetectable. This is such bullshit because he never said that when we were together. This was all completely done. What I think is he was trying to cock block me. So he, he titled it something like, you know, I don't even remember the title, but I know it was something like if a guy who had, I had told about HIV that I had it would maybe go look up stuff on YouTube that they would maybe come across his big video that didn't go freaking anywhere. I think 20 people saw it or a hundred people saw it that they would come across the video and then find me, um, to be a threat because he basically denounced U equals U. And he even said, and even women who think that they can't transmit that they can, like he's, he just turned everything that we had ever talked about and said the opposite. So to me, that was him using stigma to try to destroy me. And that's again, talking about non-disclosure, why I feel it is so important like that. I know he didn't say my name, but he, he did, he did all of that to get to me. And yes, I saw it. And, um, it made me feel horrible. Like this was a man that I trusted completely a hundred percent for him to go that low to talk about all of this, the, the complete opposite way that he had supported me and everything while we were together. It just says so much about him. It says so much about, it made me feel like I had been with an, like an imposter for six years. It made me feel like I had been with some monster that I didn't realize lurked inside and, um, made me feel really, you know, good that I was out of it. But anyways, that video ended up coming down because 
I blurred his face in the uh, the one video, and I think like him knowing about that and that being like the end of it. I don't know. And also that I had told people about that video to go to it and make comments. And so people were commenting and saying that that was just bullshit and stuff. And so he, I guess he didn't get the re reaction he wanted from the video, but I truly felt like it was like a cock block video, uh, for, you know, me to move forward in my life. So there you go. Stigma and somebody trying to fuck up my life because I have HIV. So I did want to talk about that there. I did it. I feel better now. Um, okay moving on from that because that's just super negative energy and I don't want to live in that world. Um, he doesn't deserve any more of my energy. So that's the end of that. Um, there was a YouTube comment from mhuman5341. It said this was 11 days ago. I meant to include this in the last podcast. It said, I want to ask you about Immunocore announces initial phase one safety and pharmacodynamic activity data with first soluble TCR therapy for people living with HIV. They're trying functional cure. I couldn't understand. What? <laughs> like, I can't understand. I just want to tell you, M human, I have no freaking idea what you're talking about. And go ahead and research it yourself because this would obviously take some research on my part. And I just, I, I don't even know what you wrote. I have no clue. Um, okay, so I just found that really funny. It was like, I read that and I'm like, and he says, I couldn't understand. I'm like, yeah, I. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in the cure for HIV and all the sci scientific terminology. And I really am not. I hear little mumblings of things. I have people that are really into that. There's people that really nerd out on that, but I'm not one of those people. I know just basic things about like um, the CCR5 receptor, which is another thing I wanted to talk about. Somebody was saying that um, I had said in my last podcast that it was only um, Scandinavian men or Euro European men who um, had that pre that genetic predisposition uh, mutation for not acquiring HIV. So it's the cease. It's both men and women apparently, and it's they. Somebody said it was one percent of the population, but basically the Swedes. It's if you're from Sweden or it's Scandinavian, um, that's where these people derive from and they have this CCR5 receptor in their blood and their cells. See, I can't even really tell you, but it's, it's, it's both parents have to have this mutation for the person to have this genetic mutation. Um, and basically they can't acquire HIV and it has something to do with that receptor. And the people who were cured of HIV got a donor for their stem cell transplant who happened to have this mutation, which is just the odds of that happening are pretty low, but they have, and so they, these people were so lucky. So they have leukemia and they have HIV. They were not trying to cure them of HIV. And by the way, somebody was like, why did you put that in your title? That fifth person cured of HIV and you barely talked about it in your last podcast? Because I just talk in my podcast and I don't have a title until after I do my podcast and then I try to come up with something after and I try to think of the thing that would be the most interesting for somebody to want to click and listen to it and of course like hello the fifth person cured of HIV is going to get views and for sure it has been a higher um, viewed video on my YouTube channel, not on my, um, for some reason, not on my podcast, like on Apple and Spotify, it hasn't done that well, but on YouTube, it's done better than most of my podcasts. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's clickbait. Like, I mean, we all use clickbait. Like I, 
I'm surprised people like even question that. But yeah, I didn't mean to not go into a lot of detail about it. It's just that I come up with the titles later. So uh, the detail maybe they were looking for is that what I just described about that mutation and also that, um, uh, yeah, it's a very risky, very last minute procedure. Um, it's like the end of the line for these people to try to help them. These are, and it's not the HIV part of it. It's just the leukemia part that they're trying to cure them of um, leukemia. So in the process, they get a donor who happens to have, and this is just luck. They happen to have this donor who had this mutation and they basically get brand new blood because this all goes through the bone marrow and they have new blood cells. And then after a while, they don't have HIV anymore. And so um, what was my point to all that? Yeah, it's super risky. It's not for the masses. It's also, um, it's very painful. Apparently somebody told me that as well. Um, people get very sick during this process and, um, you know, sick enough that you could even die. So, um, yeah, this isn't something that we're using for the masses, but people read that and it just drives me crazy because on t TikTok or whatever, they'll say, oh, I'm so glad they're just, it's, the cure's just around the corner. It's like, well, no, that's just you hoping because like there's we don't have any of that information that it's just around the corner. Also, people that say there is a cure, there's a cure, but nobody's putting it out there because the pharmaceutical companies make too much, which I get also. And yes, while that may be true, nobody, all these people that claim that they have zero evidence to back that up. Like, where are they coming up with this? Like, it's just you're just saying whatever you want. There's a cure. Like it's just their, it's their opinion. It's not proof. So we really don't know. I mean, as much as people want to say that they, there is definitely a cure and it's being held back because the pharmaceutical companies make too much money off us. I, while I understand that they just, they don't have the proof to back it up. Nobody knows that for sure. Um, and also I do think, I mean, I kind of believe in all of these things. I think every single one of them is possible. And I do believe that, um, if there was somebody who had the cure that they would not, want that release be for fear of being murdered. I mean, I'm not kidding. For sure. This is for sure a thing. People get freaking murdered for shit like that. So, um, yeah. Do you want to be the one to have the answer? And then if the pharmaceutical companies don't make their billions of dollars, I'm sure they're going to find a way to snuff you out. So yeah, I, it could be that for sure. I don't know. Um, so as far as a cure, I feel cured. I am fine with how I am. And I don't think like I need to go any further with, um, a cure. I'm, you know, but I understand people wanting a cure because of stigma, but shit, there'd probably still be stigma. Um, I'm showing my YouTube audience. Look at this picture of me that was taken at the school. Um, I'm part of Landmark Elementary and this is my teacher picture. <laughs> um, anyways, um, yeah, I, I think for stigma, it'd be great, but I still think people would still think because you had HIV at one point and now you're cured, but it might come back. You know, you might be like, just in this dormancy phase, but maybe it's going to come back. I don't trust it. So, you know, I, I, I just think once the stigma, once the title is attached to you, you're kind of screwed. I mean, it doesn't matter how much science backs up U equals U. People have it in their heads and it's so hard sometimes to change that thinking for people. Um, I've seen it in the messages that people leave on TikTok that they're just like, I don't care about that and that and that. I don't believe it. I don't trust science. I don't trust the um, CDC. I don't trust Fauci. I don't trust any of that shit. It's still possible. You say it's not possible. You're giving out misinformation. You are a liar and you're saying this just for your own benefit. And I mean, 
you name it, I've heard it. And so it's like I'm up sometimes, I feel like I'm up against a mountain with the stigma that comes back at me for the information that I provide. And so, yes, I still am going with non-disclosure. I feel like it's super important that non-disclosure becomes the normal, the normality or normalize it um, because there are crimes against people with HIV. There are um, people that are in prison at this moment for not disclosing their status where they didn't even transmit it. I mean, come the fuck on. Are you kidding me? There's people in prison for having a virus that they didn't even want. They didn't give to somebody, but because they didn't tell somebody, they ended up arrested and they're considered sex offenders. Like, are you kidding me? They didn't give it to anybody. There are people in jail right now in that situation. Carrie Thomas, look him up. He's one of them. K-E-R-R-Y. Um, okay. On to my YouTube comments. I got fired up there. God damn. Um, these, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, let's start with the fun ones first. These are just straight up from the last video. Oh wait, maybe there was, my, my Wi-Fi in here is so bad. Uh, is it this one? Oh, no, it's the video before. Sorry, I'm, I am prepared, but a little unprepared. And that's one of the comments that I'm going to get to. Someone who just, I went into the Apple comments. I didn't even realize there was comments there. Um, this is, and yeah, I will get to that. Somebody had some, some words for me. Um, just for men, money, M-O-N-Y 36. I'm from Pakistan and I have HIV positive from eight year. I want to share my stories with you. Um, just put them on, put them on here. Put them on YouTube, and uh, and I'll say what I can about them if you want to share that. Um, Raspberry2781, I'm going to see Depeche Mode in October. So excited. Me too. Cannot wait. Um, Abigail, H7715, bless your daughter for rescuing Ozzy. I just saw him the other day. That little shit. He's really cute. He feels so different. He's such a neat cat because he's something very mas masculine and muscular about him. Um and definitely, I think he's feral. I think he's part feral. But anyways, she said, don't feel bad. He was afraid when you tried to kiss him. I mean, I get all that. He felt cornered, like for sure. And uh, I've learned my lesson with Ozzy to just give him his space. Um, some, oh, Abigail, the same Abigail says she loves the grammar segments and all of my content. Thank you, Abigail. And I'm going to be getting to another um, grammar Nazi corner. This is um, uh, edition, uh, ex-husband edition. So I will do that in a second. Um, this one has a user with a bunch of letters and numbers. I had HIV for a year now and it's changed my life a lot. My partner is amazing, but is negative. Any advice, hun? Uh, I just preventionaccess.org. Just go to the website. Everything's there. If they have any concerns, I don't know, watch my videos, you know, look up U equals U, look up what it means to be undetectable. Um, you're with that person. They should see that you're taking your medication. Like we don't want to give this to anybody. Jesus Christ. Like we're going to take our damn pill every day. We don't want to get sick. We don't want to give it to anybody. Why is everybody so concerned that we're not going to take our pill? Like Jesus. Um, okay. Brooke, I love you, Brooke. She says, oh my God, the would you like to relive this memory. Oh, that was the David Spade thing. She liked that. Uh, she laughed at orientated. Yes, family orientated. Nope, oriented. Um, she says, I feel the same way about going to concerts and seeing bands play the songs I grew up with makes me so emotional. It does. It really does. And 
what's also cool is that they're older obviously clearly i keep looking at pictures of david kahan and he is like i think he's 60 now and obviously he's aged but i know he's gonna sound the same and that's so exciting it's like it's gonna be dave's voice and i can't wait i cannot freaking wait um Narmster one Jen, thanks for showing yourself during this podcast. Your older vlogs have the feel of a radio program as there is no video, only voice. Well, I mean, you can still get that if you want to listen to my podcast uh, through Apple or Spotify. But if you want to have it on here, I'm not going to include the audio anymore on my YouTube. I'm only going to do the video. Um, okay, so let's get to the comments that I found on Apple. I was going through my... I was on Apple, I believe it had to be Apple and there, obviously you can leave ratings and reviews on there. Um, I hadn't looked at it in a while and I have like basically all five star reviews. Thanks for those that have left those. And I had some comments. I have really nice comments like this one that says, thank you so much for this podcast. I really enjoy watching you live and listening to you. And then someone put love this. Uh, this is from Jenny. It says, wish you were able to do weekly podcasts. I'm trying, I'm doing it right now. I love hearing about your dating ventures and what's going on in your life and HIV related topics. And then this is from a uh, groovy mama one and she writes brilliant that's her title five stars words cannot describe how much i enjoy listening to your podcast refreshing and real thank you for sharing your journey so most of them are like that and then i get this really really long one and i'm like oh shit what's this oh god she gives me three stars melissa dance and she puts in the title hit and miss this one hurt a lot. Okay, so let me read this to you. <laughs> Not that I can't take constructive criticism, but shit, man. Okay, she says, this podcast is hit and miss. Some episodes, and by, let's just, first of all, can we just talk about the fact that I don't get freaking paid for this, and it is a lot of work, and it's my free time. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. If I was getting paid, some of the stuff you've talked about I probably would delve into more, but you know, I'm doing my best, doing my best to not sound like a freaking idiot for one thing. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting paid for this. So, you know, chill out on the five paragraph, um, review here. But anyways, this podcast is hit and miss. Some episodes are really good, done very well, very organized. Thank you. While other episodes are rambled all over the place, unorganized, interrupted, and uninteresting. By the way, this was a year ago, so maybe I've gotten better since then. I feel for a public podcast, these episodes should be more polished no matter what the topic is. So I'll give it a 3.5 out of 5. Polish up your episodes and get more organized and they'll be better. Also a few tips rather than describing your online app dates like good body, good nose, bad attitude. Why be so superficial and just merely say something like not my type physically, but my type mentally, etc. Some of your episodes, I mean, this is just how I talk. I can't help it. Like she's wanting me to change what comes into my brain naturally. But you know, I can't, I just, it's how I talk. Some of your episodes seem super judgmental and superficial. That's me also, maybe. Also, we get, it's hard for a straight man to contract HIV through heterosexual sex, but by not implying people should use condoms regardless, almost, I, and I don't tell people just to not use condoms. Like I've, I can't believe that I would just say, just don't use condoms. You're never gonna get it from a woman. I, because I always back that up by saying you could have any other STI, you know, if you don't use condoms. And even if you use a condom, you can still get herpes. But um, they, she says, some of your episodes seem super judgmental. 
Um, there are other STIs, STDs, and a straight man can still get contract without a condom. Yes, I know. I feel like I've totally, I totally say that all the time. Um, but she didn't feel like I did. And then she goes into all the different ones they can get. We know this. Um, she says, which can sometimes cause complications in some. Lastly, these things need to be met in order to, for U equals U. No, U equals U happens because of the medication. It does not happen if you have another STI. Like it still continues to go to undetectable as long as you're on treatment. It's an STI doesn't impede that process at all. Um, she says it's not an immediate thing. So condoms should still be used until this is established. This person, the person adheres to antiretroviral therapy, the effects of which must be evaluated regularly by treating by a treating physician will write. I mean, I, it is, we have to be in care. I always talk about that, meaning we go and get our blood drawn every three to four months and our, um, physician, you know, we're meeting up with our doctor. I mean, the blood being drawn, I don't even have to meet up for my, to my, with my doctor. Hello for that. Um, because everything I get is online and I can see it, but we still meet and talk. Um, she says the viral load has been suppressed below the limits of detection below 40 copies for at least six months. That is not true. Um, it takes about a month or a month and a half to become undetectable. And uh, the 40 copies is really, really low. That's not for U equals U. U equals U is 500 and below. So the 40 copies and below it has to do with whatever your physician um, goes with as far as undetectable. It also depends on what country you're in and the labs that are available. Um, like in the UK, they go with 15 under is undetectable. Again, my doctor goes with 20 and under because we have different labs here, I guess. I'm not even sure why, but she goes with the really strict uh, 20 and under, but not for me transmitting. That's just, she wants for my health to see that it's under 20. Like we want to always track it and see that it's under 20. And for seven years, it has been for seven years. Like I, I flatlined at zero. I mean, I was at 507,000 and then it just dropped down to zero. And it's like literally been there for seven years, except for like the little teeny blips. Like I've had a few of them, but they don't mean anything as far as transmission or my health. So um, she says, there are no other sexually transmitted infections. My advice, clean up your podcast by making it more organized. I mean, I'm hoping this sounds organized. Stop repeating the same verbiage in every episode. It gets boring. Have more guests. Talk about other topics than just HIV or dating with HIV. There's more going on in the world. Um, with the episodes that are good, they've been very organized and there's a flow. So she wasn't all that critical, 100%. Um, but I just had to read that one just so it doesn't look like I'm just reading all the stuff that like makes me sound like I'm like amazing. So I do have a little criticism there, but man, she took a lot, a lot of time to write that. And, um, I, uh, thank you for it. And I am trying to be more organized and, um, yeah, hopefully the, since, since you wrote that in the last year, hopefully things have sounded better. I know I haven't really been having guests. There's a lot that goes into having a guest and I just haven't been doing it. So, um, it's just been easier for me to come in here and just talk. Um, okay. So let's go to my grammar Nazi corner. This is the ex-husband edition. This is not the ex-husband that I was talking about just a second ago. This is the ex-husband that, um, I have three kids with. So Chris, I don't know what it is, but he talks like he's a hick, even though he's from Aptos. He calls, I, I can't handle this one. He calls crayons you know, crowns, he calls them crowns, crowns, like, you know, a king or queen wears on their head a crown. And he would do this with the kids when they were little. He's like, he's like, does she have her crowns? I'm like, 
dude, they're crayons. What are you saying? And he's like, I'm like, it's like C-R-A-N-S, crayons. That's how we say it, crayons. Or we say crayons, but I don't really say crayons. I say crayons. And he's like, he always would call them crowns and he wasn't doing it to bother me. It's just how he said it. And I was like, dude, nobody says that. I don't know where you picked that up from, but you've got to stop because our kids are going to start saying crowns. And now my kids, you know, now that they're older, they definitely didn't go that way and say crowns. But I will ask them, you know, how do you say this? And I'll hold one up and they'll say crayons. I'm like, okay, thank God you didn't pick that up. Um, there was a really funny one that he would talk about and it was um, the cheese brie cheese he'd call it brie because it's spelled b-r-i-e and i'd be like dude it's brie like it's like b-r-e-e brie and he loved brie cheese i introduced it to him and he was like thought it was the best cheese ever he's like mm, I, would, I could eat a whole wheel of that brie cheese i'm like dude it's brie like why do you always say brie and so and i'm like i it just would drive me crazy so then one time <laughs> he goes he goes oh, I want some of that brie cheese. And I said, it's not brie just to fuck with them. And he goes, oh, that's right. Bri, bri, bri. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Brian. <laughs> so that just messed him up for the rest of his life. He's never going to say it right. I said, no, you had it right. Sorry. It is brie. That was very funny. I just remember that, that, that moment. This was all prior to us, um, uh, being divorced. But anyways, um, brie and bri. So bri cheese, uh, brie cheese there. I just did it. Oh my God. Okay. The other one that would drive me crazy is he would say, uh, for a pen, like, you know, a writing pencil, pen, he would call it, or even a pencil, he would call them pins. And he'd say, do you have a pin? A pen? Like, pen. And he'd say, like, pencil. Like, I, like, what? Like, you're from Aptos. You're not from Fresno. Like, why do you talk like you grew up on a farm? And he'll, instead of saying 10, he would say 10, 10 cents. Like, no, it's 10. Eh, eh, E sound, eh. T you know, elephant, E, come on, 10. But he will say 10 for 10. Um, he would always make fun of me for saying cabinets. Am I saying this wrong? Cabinets. And he'd go, cabinets, cabinets, like to like mock me. But I, I would just say cabinets. I don't know. I don't know how I'm saying that wrong, but cabinets, it's over in the cabinet. And you go, cabinet, cabinet. So anyways, apparently I say things wrong too that would drive him crazy. One that I think I've talked about before, my kids always give me shit for. I don't know how to say it right. I've tried and tried and tried a million times. I can't say his name right. I say Steve-O, Steve-O. And they go, Steve-O. That's how they repeat it after I say it. They go, oh, Steve-O. Why do you do that, mom? It's not Steve-O. And I, I still can't even hear what the hell I'm doing wrong. Steve-O. And they're all, it's Steve-O. And I'm like, so I kind of hear that like big O tires, I guess. Steve-O tires. But I say Steve-O. <laughs> and I guess I sound like I'm saying it with an O-H. And I, when, when I'm talking and just like his name comes up, I can never remember in that moment how to say it right. And I always say it wrong. And they always stop in their tracks and like get this full on like cringe. Like I've said it wrong again. And they just laugh. And how do you say that wrong every single freaking time, mom? I don't know. I just, I just do. So, okay, there we go. Grammar Nazi Corner. That's a wrap for this week. Um, what else did I want to talk about? I might have another story for you. Let me check the time. Oh yeah, I got to check Audacity for that. We are at, oh my gosh, we're almost done. That's an hour. It goes by so fast. I was having so much fun. Okay, I'm going to save that story for next week. Okay, I've got a little bit of a weird one here. Um, so somebody that I matched with on Tinder over a year ago, um, 
was very tattooed. He was like a total, like I'd say, well, he was a tattoo artist also. Um, but amazing body, like so gorgeous. Sorry if this is just so boring for Melissa, but yeah, like, I mean, flawless body, six one perfect pecs, flat stomach, totally tattooed. Like his whole torso arms are completely tattooed, but you can see the bod is there. And he had some pictures in just like his jeans and like his hot ass body. And he was wearing like a fedora. And, uh, I was just immediately like, yes, but I don't know, whatever. I didn't know what would happen. So we match. I don't know. I don't remember all the original conversations, but we end up following each other on Instagram. And I'm like, fuck it. I just gave him my HIV Instagram. So that was out of the, the, well, I, I opened up about that immediately. Cause that's kind of how I was a year ago. I was being more open, like before I met somebody. So he seemed fine with it. I don't remember anything weird. And then, oh, that's right. He was really sick when that's what it was. I became, I opened up to him because he was writing on his Instagram that he was really sick and his doctors said they didn't know what was wrong with him, that he might have like just a month to live. He was trying to get his everything in order, his life in order, finances and everything because he was heading out. He was not going to make it. And I'm like, what dude, like all the things he wrote about, like how he was sick sounded like HIV. So I sent him thinking, I mean, maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe who knows what he does in his private time. I don't know. Maybe he's doing drugs. Uh, maybe he's had sex with men. He looks like he goes to a lot of like raves and there's a lot of crazy kinky stuff that might go down. So I don't know. So I say to him, have you tested for HIV? By the way, like I'm an advocate, like I have it and I go into the whole thing. And he was really cool. And I remember him saying, I don't have HIV. They tested me for it. And I'm like, oh, okay, weird. Anyways, he gets better. Um, I've watched him for the whole last year on his Instagram, watch him go to like parties and festivals. And he's totally out there. Not my type at all. He's very, very, um, mm, flamboyant in a way. Like I would question his sexuality a little bit. I don't think he's for me. And he's also very much like on the hippie scale. I would say he's way out there on like, um, I don't know, just, just he's living his life a different way. Like his, his thoughts about the world and everything are just, um, he reminds me of somebody I dated also, Jamie. Um, just they're very into like, uh, I, I, like I'm not coming up with all the words. Like it's hippie like, like he probably does incense and um, everything's really beautiful and flowers are amazing. And like, let's all just, you know, uh, I don't know, live wild and crazy lives and be free with nature and all of, I don't know. I'm not giving it a good description, but I didn't, ex I didn't expect to go into that description anyway. So that's why I'm a little off on that, but I think you get what I mean. So I decide, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to pursue this. I was going to get a tattoo by him, but then that didn't end up working out. So, um, anyways, he texts me the other day or writes to me through his social media. And he says that he, he's got, he's tested positive for HIV. Like what? What? You freaking kidding me? Like I'm like I I like maybe he had it back then and he tested too soon and that was his zero conversion and now he's been maybe getting sick along the way and he finally tested again and he's positive. So one thing that's really so interesting is like what if I had met him? What if we had had sex and he knew I had HIV? And what if he we didn't use condoms and now he thinks I gave it to him? Can you imagine? Like, what are the odds of that happening? Thank God I never met him and had sex with him. So I don't have to like feel like he's thinking that there's this possibility that it was me. Um, so I don't know. I'm like following up with him and everything's a little weird. 
as far as like him getting treatment and him saying like he's not getting help and that they were going to do a confirmatory test, but then they didn't. And now I've asked, and then he said like, they're telling him that it's going to be another month and a half until he has surgery before they'll give him treatment. I'm like, what? And I said, are you sick? He goes, I'm, yes, I'm very sick. I'm like, who, but if you're really sick and you're, you've been tested positive through a clinic, they wouldn't put you like, they wouldn't say you have to wait six weeks for treatment. I mean, if you have AIDS, you need to be like treated now. Like they, so I asked somebody who's in social work and they said, that doesn't sound right at all. Like we would for sure be getting him the treatment that he needs and the support he needs. Like that's immediate, especially if someone's sick. So that wasn't adding up to me. So I ask him, I give him the number for ADAP in his area. And I said, call them. Like they'll, they'll help you if you're not getting help through a social worker. Like I don't, and that's, that, that's a number that somebody gave me to give him that said, Hey, I've looked up where he lives. This like, send him this number. He should be able to get help from them. I mean, if he's not getting it from the social worker or the doctor's office he's working with, just because he, he, he came with me and said he didn't have insurance. So they weren't going to help him. Like, no, like a lot of people who have HIV don't have insurance. Like there's help. Like that's it. There's always help. So he doesn't say anything after that. He said, I'll call them. So I, he's I, like three days later, I don't hear anything from him in his post or he's posting on Instagram. Like, I don't know, not like somebody who just got diagnosed with HIV. Like it just doesn't making sense to me. Like he's talking a little bit about reflection and, you know, life's adversities and how he overcomes things. And he's looking at silver linings, but like, that's something that I feel like people talk about like way down the line, not right after you're diagnosed, you're in shock, like for a while. So to me, I'm like, it still seems a little odd to me. And so uh, I asked him today, you know, what's the latest and he said, or maybe it was yesterday. And he said, I'm, uh, they gave me something. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called Big Tarvi. I'm like, do they do your viral load and CD4 count? Like, and he said, they don't, I don't have my viral load back yet. And I'm like, okay, I don't, this does not make sense to me. Why would they put you on Big Tarvi if you haven't been tested for everything? Like your, your CD4 needs to be seen. They need to know what your viral load is. They need to do the genetic testing for the strain of HIV that you have to make sure you're not resistant or, um, to any of the medications. They put you on something that you're sensitive to these. That's all like the protocol for when you first get a, a po- and they do a confirmatory test too. Like you might get a positive, but they're going to do a confirmatory and make sure that you have it with an RNA test. Like the first one will be an antibody, but they do a confirmatory with RNA and that's where you're, where you will find out your viral load. But now he's barely giving me any information, like nothing. It's just short little messages. So I am like, I'm not totally believing this. Like, I just think it's very strange. Like, why would you, I don't know. I don't get it. And it's not like he's doing this to talk to me. Cause I mean, he knows I would, he could write to me like through instant, like through a DM through Instagram, so I don't know. It's bizarre. I'm just keeping an eyeball on it. But um, yeah, he said that he was contacting everybody that he exposed. And I thought, oh, wow. What if there's like a bunch of girls that come to me that say that they just got diagnosed with HIV and think they've all got it from him? Like that would be crazy too. Anyways, keeping an eye on that. I don't, I don't know. We shall see how this all plays out. But I mean, I hope he doesn't have it, but it would be weird but he has been bizarre in his postings about stuff. So like part of me thinks this is all just not true. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Okay. We got another one down. 
I am going to go finish my Sunday. These are these uploads take a lot longer than I think, so I need to get this going so it'll be up Monday morning. Um, and yeah, that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to me ramble. Melissa, I hope you like this one better, and I hope I'm sounding more organized for you. I love you guys. I will be back next week and um, give you more stuff. We'll see what's going on. Oh, stuff. What a terrible word. I should have come up with something better. Um, I'll give you more of my life in detail. Maybe an interview, but probably not. Okay, guys, we'll see you later. I'm going to stop this here. Have a good one. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.